sound I can just do that in the editing side. Stick out the mandolin and the, the voice. The whole thing, really. Alright, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Hop Heroes, the show where we talk about our favorite drinks and our favorite heroes. I'm your host, Jordan Arith, and with me as always, we have talented artist and comic enthusiast, J.R. Gonzalez. What's up, Jake? How are you? I'm good, man. You know, I'm I'm as good as I can be after arguably the worst coup gloss I've probably ever seen last night. Yeah, what the fuck um, was that, dude? I, it was like I, I don't video know. game score, like 70 to 73. <laughs> What Our quarterback fuck? threw nine touchdowns and we lost. So I just, I don't know. I don't really want to. It breaks my heart. Gardner Minshew was there in his jorts and all, just rooting on the Palouse and couldn't fucking do it for him. But here's here's a quick question about that. So is their season done? Like college football so unforgiving. Syracuse suffered a loss a couple weeks ago to Maryland, like a 48 to fucking 10 loss. And I feel like their season's over because like that. That's just how college football works. Uh, so college football to me, it depends what you're looking for. Like, there's four teams that'll make the final playoff, right? So if unless you're really thinking your team's capable of making the final playoff, then no, the season's not over because there's so many goddamn bowl games nowadays. Oh, All you have to yeah, do that, is I don't care about that. That's what you, I mean. You have to I don't give a shit games. about bowl games. I was talking about the playoffs and national championship. That's all I care about. So you thought that Cuse had the potential to make it to the final? Final Bro, if we would have won out and beat Clemson, <laughs> could have done it, dog. I mean, that'd be impressive. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Cooks broke my heart last night, so I'm okay. But you know what? I'm very excited to start drinking in the morning again. So here we are. Uh, and then we got our third host, Zach Barlow. How you doing, buddy? What's up, dog? I'm good. I'm good. I have a couple stories, quick stories for you guys. So last week mm. I went to Vegas for work. One of my uh, coworkers uh, taught me how to bet on sports, and it's a problem. Uh, <laughs> it's already a problem. It's already a problem. <laughs> Uh, I bet on the Jags last week. I bet on a bunch of shit last week. One was the Jags winning. The other one was Gardner Minshew scoring the first touchdown through a QB sneak. And, uh, <laughs> dude, I would have won so dude, much money if that would have happened, though. though. Bro, the odds were like 25 to 1 or something. Um, but anyway, yeah. I ended up winning a little bit of money back. The Jags won, so that's cool. Uh, yep. Yesterday, I went mountain biking for the first time, which is something that I like have really been wanting to do for a long time. And the mountain bike trails are, are, are in on a hierarchy. So there's green, which is the easiest, blue, red, black, and then double black is the hardest. So I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, I'm going to start with some green, bro. It's probably like some walking trails, moms on strollers type of shit, like easy money. Went by myself. Bro, there's <laughs> got to be different levels to green trails. Because, like, that shit was not easy, my guy. Like, it's, like, so There's, like, bad. light There's, green, like, rocks neon and green, roots, and I'm just forest like, green. Uh, uh, like, just, like, trying to go through all this shit. Dude, I rolled my brakes all the way down the entire time. <laughs> like, kids are zooming past me. I'm literally getting off my bike and just standing there like, hey, hello. As I'm, like, walking my bike up trails. Like, got a, a flat. Bitch, bro. Don't have a choice. Got to walk it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Got a flat. Sorry. Just my ankle. Just your tires. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was a uh, that was fun. I'm probably gonna become an expert by like this time next year. Double black well, trails and shit. But yeah, I feel like the longer your beard gets, just the more inclined you have you are to mountain bike. So like, I feel like you're just in that zone now. <laughs> like it's where... not even my free will. It's just my beard like deciding for me. Yeah. But guess what? Had you're a, a mountain biker now. So. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Six inches? Yeah. You're in mountain bike range. Yeah. So. What's crazy about my beard game, too, though, is that like, there's been multiple times that I've been like, all right, I think I should shave it down. Like, this is getting wild. But Alicia's always just like, nah, fam. Run She's it. All about just it. let it go. See what happens. I'm just like, okay. 
So. Dude, you're, you're just going to be more and more grizzled as the days go by. I'm very yeah, excited we'll about it. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, that sounds like a very active week. And then we got our guy in the chair, Vinny McBroom. How you living? What up? What up? Living, living well, dude. You know. That's good, man. Weekend's always great. Uh, that's, Sunday, that's Sunday football. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> what kind of football are we talking? The football that's good football or the football that's your football? Football, our football, American football. <laughs> yeah, American that, football. Well, he has a Sounders jersey on, so I'm wondering if no, this is the, uh, this is soccer. So I know that's what I'm saying. Football, football. Food's trying to be current with the goddamn European times. Um, all right, well, here we go. Um, getting into another episode today. We're taking you know an interesting kind of route with with the topic. Uh, we chose to do "They Call Us Enemy" by George Takei, and it's a story of his. Basically, his autobiography of growing up through the Japanese internment camps, and you know what, how that shaped his you know life, and and what he you know learned from that process, and uh, it's definitely not what we're used to talking about. Uh, drinking beers and talking about superheroes fighting each other is is kind of our our shtick, and today we're we're going drunk history. So uh, excited to see how this one goes. And uh, the drink of choice, you know, we've done Japanese first beer already, so we decided let's do Japanese first whiskey, and we. Uh, Went with Suntory whiskey, which I've actually have had before. I uh, had it for before Cameron's wedding. Um, we we started slamming this, and it's it's such a good whiskey. Um, I'm drinking the Toki. Zach, are you drinking the Toki as well? Yeah, I am. Okay. So uh, I think Jr. tried to get the the right whiskey and ended up getting sake. So classic. <laughs> shows you shows you what I know and. <laughs> Even it with looks like, guided it pictures like, and literally t- talking whatever. about the brand. I don't know you what you're saying hear. to me right now. I just, I just guided looked like pictures. it looks like squirt soda, so I bought it. That's all I went it off. Looks of. like squirt soda. That's what Bro, it like I can't too, wait sure. to see your surprise. Like, because in your mind, mentally, you're like, oh, this is gonna taste like squirt, and like you couldn't be. I just can't wait for this like experience. <laughs> yeah, the viewers keep, are in for a tr- treat. Keep here. thinking that while you go down. Yeah, while it goes hey. down. Saki uh, is so celebratory, just... so we'll, we're going to celebrate a great story, so it's, I'm okay with it. With yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Uh, a brief history on Suntory. So established in 1923, uh, founded by Shinjiro Tori. And just a little, uh, I got to give some love to my boy Shinjiro. I mean, the dude left school at age 13 to get into the liquor industry. Like, dude knew what he wanted to do at age 13, and he wanted to be fucking blending whiskey like what a savage <laughs> he is kind of a savage move he's got a, a soft spot in my heart and thank you shinjoy for for changing the world at such a young age you inspire men like me all around the world just to keep drinking and <laughs> make terrible decisions um he invested his life savings despite all of his family telling him not to into starting this distillery and what it was the savings did this dude have at 13 well so he was working at 13 in the distillery kind of picking up the oh, technique and everything and then when he got word. to a, a, a you know financial age where he could invest he he started the the uh, distillery um, and his whole family's like don't do it like nobody wants whiskey in Japan like it's just not it's not you know Scotland and he's like no man I can, I can do it and he, he he started the distillery and everybody sure enough hated it uh, <laughs> nobody wanted to drink whiskey in Japan so he's like fuck but he you know he was persistent and resilient and he kept trying different things and eventually um, found uh, a blend that was more acceptable for the Japanese palate it was a little more delicate and uh, started picking up steam and then he actually um, 
innovated the the highball technique, which is a type of drink that's very popular in Japan nowadays. And it's basically a, a shot of whiskey, put some ice in, and then you drop some um, club soda over the top with a lemon wedge. And it's kind of, it's almost like a not a it's basically a whiskey soda but it's a lot of soda and then it's uh, a little lime garnish so it's very easy to drink and makes it more sessionable and then uh he also um innovated a mizu mizuwari technique which is basically just whiskey and water um so these two techniques kind of made the whiskey more approachable from the japanese palate and it kind of started picking up steam from there um Basically, they've come out with different uh, types of whiskey from Suntory throughout the years. In 84, they came up with the Yamazaki, 89, the Hibiki, 94, the Hakashi, 2015, the Cheetah, and then uh, the one we have is Toki, which was uh, created by the third generation um, Tory member, and it is uh, came out in 2016. Um, basically, Toki means time in Japanese, so this one was supposed to be a blend of the um, original techniques of Suntory with the renovated new techniques of today. Um, so it's like a modernized original whiskey. And so it's WoW Classic for them, basically. Yeah, so it's basically Travass's time. You say WoW Classic? Fucking Christ. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly what it is, actually. Uh, but the, basically, they took all the old techniques of the decided, uh, the, like the signature malt and the specified uh, grains that they got in the Hibachi region, but they also... Um, they distill it in American oak, which gives it kind of the modern modern taste on it. So that's our, our travel through Suntory history. And um, sick. Zach's got a glass neat. I got a shot glass, and I'm not excited, excited I about wanna, doing this. I just want to quickly say that I've decided to drink my whiskey neat today because I feel like this is like a serious drink, and we're doing like a more serious topic. And so yeah. I felt like it was, it was fitting. So, Plus, I just like, like the, the way whiskey looks neat. Like, I feel like it's, like, so sophisticated. Like, let's have... We're going to talk about history today, and we're going to drink some whiskey <laughs> neat, you know? Like, it just fits. That beard is just changing you by the minute, and I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, I decided just to pound shots, so every time the story gets a little too heavy for me, I'm going to I'm gonna shoot one back, because this is going to be a heavy, heavy storyline. Dude, line, so. wait for Beneath the... You, you better stick to that, Jordan. I'm not <laughs> bullshitting. <laughs> Well, it's too. It's, hey, it's call all out subjective. It's too, to it. too heavy for, for the me, video. So it's all subjective. For the video, I'll have a counter right next to Jordan's little. Oh, <laughs> and every time he takes a shot, bing, bing. That'd be funny. All right, all Jordan, right. We're holding you to that, but let's go. Let's let's well, try. And then uh, number cheers. one, Jr. You want to say anything about your drink before we all cheers? <laughs> Fucking sake. It's uh, squirt soda, and I'll be ready <laughs> to drink it. <laughs> I can't wait. So what do you get from the nose, Zach? I mean, I feel like I uh, it's it's so uh, it, it smells like whiskey for sure, but it, I feel like a lot of American whiskey is like kind of like heavy, like smoky, like you you can f- like you smell like a smokiness to it. Yeah. And this doesn't have that. Like this this smells more like like alcoholy, if you will. <laughs> Do you know what I mean though? Like I, I don't know how else to explain it, bro. I don't know how else to explain it. But like, there's it's not like a charred barrel. It's more just like as like your beard if, grows, if I close my eyes. Okay. This, this is a good way. This is a good way to say it. If I close my eyes and you put this in my nose and you said, "What are you smelling right now?" I'd probably be like vodka. Okay. Interesting. So it has like the nail polish remover kind of. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Okay. I got. I get a little smoke from it. Do you? I mean, it is. It's still an American oak. It's definitely got a little sweet to it. It's almost kind of like a little 
hint of honey or something. It just it smells like it would be sticky if you got your hands on it, you know. <laughs> hmm. I don't have any comment at all. And then it's got a uh, at all. It's very clear. It's not very uh, dark. It's very it light. Is. It's not see-through. dark. Yeah. It's almost like a Coors Light. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right, let's go in. Salud. That's pretty smooth. Ooh, yeah. Mmm. Mm. Yeah, I can drink that. Okay. I feel like I could sip on that. That's nice. Yeah, what do you got from the, the flavor profile? Alcohol? Uh, no, I mean, I feel like... <laughs> well, yes, that. But I also feel like it's it's smooth. It's not heavy. Like, it, it doesn't have that, like, whiskey bite when you're just like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's kind of, like, hard to drink. Um, I mean, it does have a little bit, but for me, it's de- it's definitely manageable. And I feel like I could just, like, sip on it. It's, like, sessionable almost, which is... Not normally what whiskey needs would be. Yeah. No, absolutely. You can definitely tell that they went a different route from the blending style where it's not as harsh as like an American whiskey or a Scottish whiskey. It has a lot less smoke, a lot less of that bite. Yeah. But you still get a little subtle burn. But like, it's got you little... know the saying when you take a shot of whiskey and they'll be like, that'll put some hair on your chest. Like, yes. And like, it's like burns like all the way down and, and then it makes you feel like super warm. You know that feeling? I feel mm-hmm. like, like I don't get that with this like i get a little bit of it but it seems like it's been dialed back would you say it's almost like drinking um like kind of like peppermint like that that kind of hit it's like a little like a light yeah. burn i feel yeah. like that's what it reminds me of like you're drinking like liquid altoids or peppermint yeah. schnapps i guess would make sense yeah that's a good um, way to put it it's like a smoky schnapps so very very drinkable um that's like a mountain drink that you can just do while you're you know snowboarding all right well, that's our uh, that's our drink for the day. So let's go into our topic. They call us enemy, <laughs> Jr. Unless you want to talk about your sake, if, uh, um, if you tasted it. Yeah, it tastes did you like drink it, soda. bro? I, didn't... I did. Well, I did drink it. Well, I didn't hear you wince, so I was yeah, like, neither did I. Because men don't wince. I don't care if it's gross or not. God damn, oh, he's had damn, bro. Jurassic Park hat for two weeks, and he's already got an ego. Fuck it, I fight dinosaurs. <laughs> it's actually very floral. It's it tastes like it does. It's not that strong. <laughs> it's actually not that bad. Oh, it's really um, not? Damn, no. what the hell? I mean, it's, it's very sake. F- it's like rice. Yeah, yeah but it's, sake is like gnarly sometimes. It can be gnarly. It's not that is hard. That I mean, if I guess if I took a big gulp of it, it might be, but um, I could see why they would warm. It probably tastes really good warm, you know, instead of it's kind of not. It's kind of a little cold right now. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, it's floral. I'm going to keep it in my fridge just in case we do something else Japanese. <laughs> Good. Hold on to that one. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to walk into Jared's fridge in like six months and just see the half drinking. Fucking sock. The five, the five packs of beer left over. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's dive into the mind of George Takei. All what do you right. got first, Jared? They called us enemies, George Takei. We journey into the life of a five-year-old boy imprisoned with his family in a concentration camp on American soil. The story is told by the iconic star George Takei and takes place before his travels into the deep space of the USS Enterprise NCC-1701. In these these beautifully drawn pages, along with George Takei's personal experience, we are taken into a time of fear and hatred, but ultimately overcome by a family willing to stick together, love each other, and stand by a country that betrayed them. So it's kind of my little synopsis of a great story. Um, that was actually a really great re- read throughout too. So 
Um, yeah. Very, very, very personal. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we'll go into all the, like, the, the meaning yeah. behind it and, like, what we took away. But ultimately, like, growing up, this was something that I never really was taught in history class. Like, they never really talked Me about neither. the Japanese internment. Um, and obviously that wasn't by accident. I mean, it's something that American tried to just brush under the rug. One of the many Whoops. things. Yeah. Botched yeah. that one. Botched it. Yeah. Uh, goofed <laughs> that one up. All right. <clears throat> Move right past that. Never happened. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so this was the first time I really read about what happened, what they went through and Same. just the, the trials and tribulations they had to f- face. And, and it's kind of cool seeing it from, you know, five-year-old George Decay's mind. And he also like what he saw as a kid. And then it also reflects on what his dad sees and like a more mature, um, right mindset going through this and like the kind of the yeah. contrast. Right. Um, what, uh, you know, what big highlights do you think, um, people need to know about this storyline? Um, if they were to pick it up, like, is there any like huge well, things that would occur that would ring a bell for somebody that I think one of the, there's like three, I mean, and one of the biggest stuff that I, I didn't realize was how much they took away from them. They took away like personal private property their houses that you yeah. bought that's like if you had your house they bought and they said hey we're gonna take this and then they they probably sold it to somebody else they did like they did i so i, and that's I actually totally did some research up. on this and so what what they did is all property owning um japanese american citizens would be sent off to the tournament and they'd have to forfeit the property to the banks and then right. the banks would just resell it to, to mm-hmm. people that weren't in internment so when the japanese americans got out they didn't have any property anymore like they straight up just like forfeited it and then that shit got resold. So yeah, that's that is accurate. Yeah. And, and they basically like okay. I know like when like the the farmers like they would they would force them to continue to harvest their crops because if they didn't, then they were considered like uh saboteurs and so they would harvest and harvest and harvest and then the uh, America would just basically take their crops from them at like pennies on the dollar and they're like all right, keep yeah. go again. <laughs> so like they were just like basically it's almost enslavement, forced to like produce and produce and produce crops and then just take them. And not give them anything for it. Yeah. 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 Executive Order 9066 was what put this into place. Right. And one of the bad things that I, I, I think I didn't realize either is that they were actually Americans. Like most of the families were actually like their wives were born here or the children were born here. Yeah. We're like actual Americans. Americans were were actual citizens. So over half. Not just immigrants. Just people who were born and raised. Had their green card. Had their citizenship. Like full on. Yeah, the yep. Takei family grew up in Los Angeles. I mean, yeah, George Takei's an American. Yeah. yeah, he was like, and they that that was kind of the other thing that kind of stunned me is like, I, I it's particularly for me because I'm not you know, uh, you know, culturally you know like from my dad's not from here. You know, my dad came here at eleven, and um, I'm born here. My mom's born here. My sisters are born here. So it's kind of like the same scenario if they wanted to go yep. that route. Um, right. You know. My dad was a U.S. Marine even, you know, served in the military and um, didn't get his citizenship to the 80s. But it's like the same, you know, they could have done the same thing to my family, too, if that was, you know. So that was kind of like a really, like, deep cut right off the bat. Like, man, they better fix this. Because I had no idea. Just like You you just immediately drew the bridge between, like, your family and his because your family has, like, the same composition as far as immigration goes. Just Absolutely. like his father was an immigrant, his mother was a citizen, you're a citizen, he was a citizen, second generation. So yep. there's like plenty of similarities there. Um, Jordan's going to go ahead and take his first shot because we're starting to get into it. Yeah. Get um, deep. A little deep, JR. That's a deep cut. Thanks for that. What a deep cut. 
one of the one of the things that that struck me from the storytelling is um, his like ongoing you might uh, ongoing belief in in democracy throughout right coming stemming from his father I mean even when his dad was obviously had all these things taken away from him and his family was like imprisoned in these internment camps he always kind of managed to rise up as like the the leader of the of the um of the block or like kind of, he was like a community organizer and he still believed in democracy. Like even when he got older, he believed in democracy because like, and there's this part when um, the character George Takei is having conversation with his father. And this is after the internment, his father's older and George Takei is just getting angry at him and saying like, I don't understand how you led us to the, the prison. You walked us right in, you know, so on and so forth. And then George Takei's father mentioned something about, you know, democracy was at work the entire time, and democracy was, you know, the conversations that we had within that within those blocks, right? Democracy was mm-hmm. happening, right? Like a- as we do these small community organ organizing things, that's when democracy is happening, and that's when it's like at its strength and its core. It's not necessarily up high up, like with all these policymakers and stuff. And I just felt like that was really freaking interesting, especially because if you think about George Takei now, he's very much involved in politics. Like, he's very involved in it. He's been in the White House, he's given speeches, so on and so forth, and I think that he has, like, this deep, deep belief and, and like, passion for democracy, and I feel like it, it's come from his father, and for his father to have that with ha- having gone through all of the, like, the government failed him, 100%. Like, that's, like, not even a question. Betrayed him, but still to have that belief in the system, um, in the ideals of a system, I think was fucking incredible. Yeah, yeah man, I completely agree. And, and that that's a huge moment in the in the story when he's sitting down with his now teenage son George Takei, and 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 when you look when you're building up to that moment, you're going through the story in the son's eyes as a as like a toddler, and everything's like kind of weird, but like they get through it. Like mom's still making you know outfits for us, dad's still working. We get to play around with the kids. We hear some different slang, uh, like "sock on a beach." That was a uh, that was awesome. Like "sock on yeah. a beach," like yelling at the the guards because the kids try to prank him to saying "son of a bitch," and so like the kids are going through it, and it's kind of normal. And then like when the kid grows up, he kind of like registers what he was going through, and now he's he's upset, and he didn't even realize it. And the dad right. realized it the whole time, obviously, right? But still, you know believed in the process and believed in democracy and even mentioned how Roosevelt made this terrible decision, but he had also been um, paramount in ending the Great Depression. So like even like great men make terrible mistakes and this is just one of those mistakes. So it was a very like just really hard. Just to, I have a really hard time thinking or saying that I would be as mature in Norman Takei's place. Like if I would have been bitter, probably. I would have been upset. I wouldn't know if I'd be able to still support the values of the country that imprisoned me that yeah. I grew up in. I, to be honest, I feel like George Takei's father is a great man. Like, I think that, like... I agree. If that's what he actually was like, mm-hmm. and, like, I'm just going to I'm gonna believe that it, he was like that, then he's a great man. Because I think that not a lot of people have that ability. I think, like, the, the, the path most traveled from that point that he was on is to be pissed. And yeah. to be bitter and to be mad. And so to for him to, like take it the way that he did it that's like that's greatness and i and i also think that uh this relationship between like him as a child and his father as an adult as they move through the same thing but they're both experiencing experiencing it very differently and the book like beautifully highlights how um his father as an adult is going through like all this pain like taking all like just take just 
basically taking the brunt of it. Himself and his and the mom are taking the brunt of this, right? Like, but the kids are just kids, so they don't really understand what's going on. And so there's like funny moments in the story. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's like moments of the children running around, and as Jordan mentioned, the the prank to the guards and so on and so forth. And and I think that that's beautifully told because it it illustrates how two people in two different walks of life can experience the same thing differently. And mm-hmm. I think that, like, that's, like, a really powerful way to tell a story, right? Because the kid's not going to experience the same thing the adult's experiencing. And that's, like, not an easy thing to pull off. And I think that it's a great way to illustrate what, it, what, it, what that experience was to him and his family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and he, you can kind of see, like, the dad was aware of this, of what he needed to do to make this as normalized of an experience for his family as he could. Like, the one day where they got to act, like, he, he was the leader of the block, right? Every camp they went to, his dad would be a leader. That's just the person that he was. And then he got, like, convinced uh, the guards to let him take the truck out for one day or whatever. And they got to leave the camp and go to the city and, and go see a movie or whatever it was. And, like, those days are what, like, George still holds on to um, to this day. And, like, his dad was aware of that. His dad knew that he needed to make these normalized highlights very important so the son could focus, you know, on the positives and find the silver linings in such a terrible situation. Just yeah, that's a that's a good point that you bring up about his father being like a leader in like this horrible time. Like even when like most of them weren't leaders, they were just pissed off, like you guys are saying. But he actually took a point to like help others, even when they needed help themselves. In fact, and throughout the story, like at, when they even leave the camp, his he was still doing the same thing. And to George Takei's mom was like, you need to stop. And help us for a little while, and that's that kind of shows you the character of, of George Takei's dad and understanding that individual. Because I mean, be able to take you know instead of just he was laying, a beast, dude. Yeah, because uh, I mean, most yeah. people will be so depressed and so like you know deterred from life, they would just almost give up. You know what I mean? And then they jump onto the next radical thing, which is like protesting or or you know just getting into fights or something like that. Instead, he took like the most untraveled route was i'm gonna help everybody in here cope because it's gonna help my family and then continue to do that even outside of of the you know when they all left the camps and i I think that's a as a really good point because i think i think the story is is about that for for the most part is that kind of leadership and imagine like being that like i don't know if i'd have the strength to or the fortitude to like fight that pack mentality like when they were at the tool lake camp and it was like the most like radicalized camp and like everybody's just revolting and has got their headbands on and fucking fighting like the the, the people and like norman takei is like no nah, we're not doing that like we're staying like we're, we're controlling what we can't control we're gonna trust the process and know that we'll get out of here like everybody around him's thinking like fuck you guys like where's your pride for japan like let's go like i don't know do you guys think you'd be able to which which side of the fence would you land on do you think you'd be able to have that that calm approach to it. Like I just, I know where I would land and it wouldn't be in the right spot. I think it, I have like two points in my life as a kid. Uh, I made no choices. So I felt like I would have been like the guy in the background, just trying to avoid everything. You know what I mean? Just like, I'm just going to try and stay in my little corner. Not going to be an activist. I'm not going to be a leader. I, I just want to make through this, you know? Um, but as an adult, I obviously, have been prone to try and choose the right direction even if I fail and sometimes choosing not to protest or choosing would be my route you know what I mean and saying mm-hmm. okay this is this is what's important not just for me which I'm pointing to my nose here it's it's important for everybody else so that would be my route 
I just want to make a comment on, on what you just said, because I, I think that like this notion of choosing the right direction is mm -hmm. a bit oversimplifying the, the, the stakes here. Because if you think about it, so like they're in an internment camp. Some people are saying pro-Japan. Other people are protesting. Right. He chooses to, to, to lay back. But the wife actually doesn't. The wife chooses to declare herself for Japan which almost sends her back to Japan. Do you remember that part? Yes. Yeah. So that's they had, actually they a had big a, part. And at the time, and at the time, there is no clear path to what's right. I mean, they both think, the wife thinks that, you know what? Maybe Japan's going to win the war. Maybe we should just go back to Japan. Maybe we can start our life over cuz right now they're living in essentially prison, right? And so he's saying no, democracy's going to work. It's going to it's going to fix itself. Like we're going to be fine. We're going to be able to move back to LA. Let's just wait this out. And at that point in time, I mean in hindsight, of course we can look back and say that he was yeah. right. But at that time, we don't know that. We actually don't know. Like right. I mean, it could have gone really really bad on his part and the wife could have been correct, right? So I think that you know I don't know. I just think that we should try to think about it like that. Because, like, what's right and wrong at the time, if we put ourselves there, we just don't know. Well, one right. thing about the decision that she made is the, I think one of the biggest reasons she did it was because they didn't want to leave the camp. Because everybody was leaving the camp and they had had that realization that, that there was nothing to go back. And she was so worried about that you know what are they going to go where are they going to go live how are they going to make more money also I mean, racism coming back to society absolutely are they going to accept us as yeah. you know uh, american citizens or is this just how it's going to be for the rest of our lives so i think that's a that's a good point um for me though as, as i choose i think i think i would have just done nothing <laughs> i think which would have meant <laughs> which that is I essentially what the father did yeah i think right? I, that that's the path he chose he chose to find a corner Wait it out yeah. and hope that it was. Gonna I just work wouldn't have been out. as cool as him and think of it as you know. I would have been like, but, I'm just gonna stay over here. Yeah, I disagree that he found a corner. I mean, he was a pillar of like. Yeah, the, I, yeah. The I don't want to say he found a corner. You're right. Yeah, I would have done absolutely he was nothing at, at the front of the line. He just re refused to forfeit his his American citizenship, yeah. and and that was such a. <clears throat> there are a few things that stuck with me that like where America really fucked up. Okay, Pearl Harbor hits. We make the wrong decision and start imprisoning Japanese Americans. The executive order nine zero six six. Basically takes all their freezes all their assets, takes all their property, puts them into internment camps. Like huge fuck up, right? And then Hiroshima happens, um, and I think that was right along the same timeline where they offered this forfeit your citizenship um, or you know stay for America. And no, I think they did that before Hiroshima. Yeah, okay. They, so they let they let the citizens decide whether they wanted to stay citizens or forfeit, and that was before. Yeah. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Gotcha. Okay. And then there was, the, yeah, there, you're right. There's a divide between the husband and wife. Mrs. and Mr. Takei, like, both thought different ways. But what I thought was really interesting is they stayed together. Like, that didn't that didn't affect their relationship seemingly. Like, they were they were united still, even though they both had different views on how to handle it. Which is very, very, shows the health of their relationship. Well, it, al it almost split the family up, like, in a huge way. Because it she was about to get shipped back to Japan. And then they met some lawyer and they had to go through like a bunch of like legal stuff to, to, to keep her in the United States and it ended up working out. But for a while it was like, well, shit, she declared one way, he declared the other way, and they might have to like be forced to split. Right. They might part? have been forced to split, but what I meant was just in their relationship, like they were unified. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they, that didn't, like that could rub somebody the wrong way, especially somebody that's stubborn. Like, what do you mean? Like, how do you, how do you not see it this way? Like they were very understanding of each other's viewpoints and kind of trust each other, right. which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, Hiroshima happens, Japan surrenders the war, and now the people that have forfeited their citizenship are like, 
uh oh, <laughs> like where are we gonna what are we gonna go back to? What's happening in Japan? Right. And then this lawyer, uh, his name was Walter or something. Collins. Um, Collins? Wayne Collins, I think. Yeah. Wayne Collins uh, decided to represent all of these people that were forced essentially to forfeit their citizenship. They were they were just they right, were deciding. Because wasn't fair. No, it's it during fair. during war while they're imprisoned. They're asked if yeah, they want yeah. to forfeit their citizenship. Like what? And the, the line that he had put there was gray. It's like one cannot forfeit their citizenship during war, just as one cannot forfeit being part of the human race. Like this, it's just illogical and unfair. And that was that was one that stuck with me. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pour a shot out for that one because because goddamn man, yeah. Dog. <laughs> Thank God for Wayne Collins, man. He fucking. He 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 did he did a lot of things and I, I think that um honestly this this uh story to me in a, like so I'm, I'm wearing my uh, American flag hat I don't know if you guys can see that go Mariners and like that the American flag Mariners hat and the reason why is because I think that this story is about American heroes like and I think that uh um Mr Take Senior is one I think that 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 lawyer is another one Mm -hmm. and i think that like in times of dire straits the stories of these heroes as they rise to like the occasion and and make it work out for the rest is is really fucking inspiring and uh this is gonna bring me to my beneath the ink if you guys are if you guys are ready one thing i I do want to say just another hero do you think that uh reagan handled it the right way with his um Apology in 1988 when he basically said we fucked up. We're sorry. Here's 20k to every surviving Japanese intern. I think I think that that there's not much else that could be done, and I I, I think that um, that's not like good. Like I'm not like all right, we're square now. Good job. Right. But no. what I what I will say is that throughout history, there's been. A lot of really black kind of parts of time where people have been either enslaved or or in internment camps and that's one of the only times in history for any of it where the government has acknowledged a mistake and then paid any type of um, money back to the people that they fucked up fucked over so having said that I think that um, that's the best that he could do and I and I, I respect that yeah I agree with that I mean I think that you're not. You're never going to make it completely right. You know, there's nothing you can do. But to admit fault is uh, yeah something America doesn't do very often, <laughs> and uh, that was a pride swallowing moment. So that that really that was another thing I wasn't really aware of. So I was right. really happy to read that. What did they get? Like twenty k? That's all they got. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's one hundred twenty thousand roughly total Japanese Americans that were imprisoned throughout this time, right. and sixty thousand got uh, payouts because those are the remaining survivors forty years later. So. I mean, it's 20 G's, but it's not going to make up for everything. It's just the, it's not the actual dollar amount. It's the, the acknowledgement of exactly what they did. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. All right, Z, what do you got for us? Let's dive deep. All right. Um, so as I said, when I'm reading this story, I, I'm, I thought about like the heroes that were involved in this, in this time frame in this period. Um, and one of the things that really struck me, um, was the uh, mention of the 442nd Infantry. Um, so what happened in this time is that J- Japanese Americans were imprisoned in internment camps, and essentially at first they were uh, deemed as um, c- citizen aliens or something like that, and, and they were not able to join the war efforts. 
But um, America suffered a decent amount of casualties, and so that forced the government to kind of rethink that strategy, and they uh, signed a bill that said that um, the Japanese-Americans could enter the war. Um, and that kind of started this, this what ended up being this kind of really two extremes, right? A lot of Japanese-Americans joined the war from that point, and then a lot of them became like more extreme within the camp, saying that there's no way I'm going to join a war while, for a company that I'm um, basically in prison for. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the the people that did join the war, though, from these camps formed what was called the 442nd Infantry. Uh, and I'm just going to read uh, this intro I wrote. So the story of the 442nd Infantry, the, the unit's motto was go for broke. They were almost entirely made up of second-generation Japanese-American citizens, or Nisei, um, whose families were in internment camps in the States while they fought abroad. So they fought while their families were being held prison by, this, by the country. Um, the 442nd Infantry is the most decorated unit in U.S. military history. The most decorated unit in the history of the United States is this Japanese unit that had all their family in prison when they fought the war. Um, wow. The unit earned more than 18,000 awards in less than two years, including 9,486 Purple Hearts, 4,000 Bronze Star Medals, the unit was awarded eight presidential unit citations. 21 of its members were awarded the Medal of Honor, which is the highest honor you can get in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2010, the Congressional Gold Medal was awarded to the 442nd Regiment Combat Team and Associated Units who served during the World War II. And in 2012, all surviving members were made Chevaliers of the French Légion d'Honneur for their actions contributing to the liberation of France and their heroic rescue of the Lost Battalion. So this, so this unit was went to war for a country that held their families prisoner and just fucking fucked shit up to the point that they became the most decorated unit in the history of America. 21 medals of honor for this war. So I went through all the medals of honor. And wait, wait, wait. Before you... I already poured one up because I knew this was going to get there, but I need a drink to that. Fucking right. Salud. That's impressive. And I'm just going to pour another one because I think it's going to be deeper. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. So that's why I said we need to hold you to this because I knew what my Beneath the Ink was going to be today. Oh, man. Um, so I went through the Medals of Honor and I picked a couple that I wanted to share with, with you guys and the audience. This is what I believe to be a um, representation of the type of men that fought in this, in this infantry battalion. Um, and so I just, I, I was just fucking blown away. So the first guy is Sadao uh, Munamori. And this is his story. He fought with great gallantry and inter- intrepidity near Saravesa, Italy. When his unit was pinned down by grazing fire from the enemy's strong mountain defense and command of the squad devolved on him with the wounding of its regular leader, he made frontal one-man attacks through direct fire and knocked out two machine guns with grenades withdrawing under murderous fire and showers of grenades from other enemy emplacements he had nearly reached a shell crater occupied by two of his men when an unexploded grenade bounced on his helmet and rolled toward his helpless comrades he arose into the withering fire dived for the missile and smothered its blast with his body by a swift supremely heroic action munamori saved two of his men at the cost of his own life and did much to clear the path for his company's victorious advance God damn it. <laughs> uh, Keep boring. 
Keep pouring it. So he he so this dude took leadership because the leader died in a firefight. Advanced on the enemy through enemy fire. Grenade hit him. To, went towards his soldiers. He dove on the grenade. Saved his soldiers, killing, taking his own life. Wow. Medal of Honor recipient. And this whole time, his family is back in the United States being held prisoner against their will. And he's still sacrificing like that for this country. Wow. Next one. Oh, come on, man. How many we got? Two more. Ah, oh, fuck. Mikio Hasamoto. Private Mikio Hasamoto distinguished himself by extraordinary heroism in the action on November 29, 1943, in the vicinity of Sarasulo, Italy. A force of approximately 40 enemy soldiers armed with machine guns, machine pistols, rifles, and grenades attacked the left flank of his platoon. Two enemy soldiers with machine guns advanced forward, firing their weapons. Private Hasamoto, an automatic rifleman, challenged these two machine gunners. After firing four magazines at the approaching enemy, his weapon was shot and damaged. Unhesitatingly, he ran 10 yards to the rear, secured another automatic rifle, and continued to fire until his weapon jammed. At this point, Private Hasamoto and his squad leader had killed approximately 20 enemy soldiers. Again, Private Hasamoto ran through a barrage of enemy machine gun fire to pick up an M1 rifle. Continuing their fire, Private Hasamoto and his squad leader killed 10 more enemy soldiers. With only three enemy soldiers left, he and his squad leader charged courageously forward, killing one, wounding one, and capturing another. The following day, Private Hasamoto continued to repel enemy attacks until he was killed by enemy fire. Private Hasamoto's extraordinary heroism and devotion to duty are in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit on him, his unit, and the United States Army. So this dude took out like 35 to 40 dudes in a day, in one battle, by himself. And, if he can and do then that, died the next day. I can take 10 shots in an hour. Damn it. <sighs> Cheers. <laughs> To, to Mikio Hasamoto. One more. To Hasamoto. <coughs> One more. Daniel Inoue. Second Lieutenant Daniel K. Inoue distinguished himself by extraordinary heroism in action on April 21st, 1945, in the vicinity of San Terenzo, Italy. While attacking a defended ridge, guarding an important road junction, 2nd Lieutenant Inoue skillfully directed his platoon through a hail of automatic weapon and small arms fire in a swift enveloping movement that resulted in the capture of an artillery and mortar post and brought his men to within 40 yards of the hostile force. In place in bunkers and rock formations, the enemy halted the advance with crossfire from three machine guns. With complete disregard for his personal safety, 2nd Lieutenant Inoue crawled up the treacherous slope to within five yards of the nearest machine gun and hurled two grenades, destroying the emplacement. Before the enemy could retaliate, he stood up and neutralized a second machine gun nest. Although wounded by a sniper's bullet, he continued to engage other hostile positions at close range until an exploding grenade shattered his right arm. Despite the intense pain, he refused evacuation and continued to direct his platoon until enemy resistance was broken and his men were again deployed in defensive position. In the attack, 25 enemy, enemy soldiers were killed and eight others captured. By his gallant, aggressive tactics and by his indomitable leadership, 2nd Lieutenant Inoue enabled his platoon to advance through formidable resistance and was instrumental in the capture of the ridge. Jesus Christ. That's like the he guy got that... shot by, by a sniper... A fucking grenade blew off his arm, <laughs> and he continued to lead his fucking platoon on these sniper nests, and took the sniper nests and captured the enemy. For the, for the, for and the, the whole time, his family is in fucking in prison camps 
in the United States of America. This is by, the most. These are the, three examples by the country that he's fighting for. That he's by the country life. that he's fighting for. These are just three examples of of heroes from the 442nd Infantry who volunteered to fight for the country that imprisoned everything they knew and everything that they loved. What was that guy's and name? And now they're the most decorated battalion in the history of America. That's why I'm wearing this cap today because I feel like we're talking about American heroes today. We are. Like, this is not... And it's crazy because I feel like a lot of the times when you think about, like, military and, like, heroics and stuff, you don't think about immigrants. But immigrants have fucking defended this country from day one, bro. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's the truth. Yeah. The most decorated battalion is Japanese immigrants. And I feel like all I can do is just say thank you for the freedom, thank you for the sacrifice, and salute to the 442nd and everybody that went through these, this, uh, this process. Nothing but appreciation. And it really gives me pride in my country to know that you guys existed. God damn it. <laughs> Six shots. That's it for me. Holy smokes. <coughs> what was that guy's name? The last one? Daniel Inouye. Ooh. Daniel Inouye. That, oh my God. Okay. I, uh, I'm getting drunk. Um, <laughs> that's the guy you want to follow into battle when you're playing Call of Duty, bro. That's the fucking guy. Like, that guy takes a snipe shot. Uh, fucking nade to the arm, still takes down still the sniper going. nest. Like, dude, savage as can fucking be. And Daniel Inouye ended up being in Congress. That's oh, that's true, yep. Dope, dude. Ended as up being an American be. congressman. As he should be. Well, that's, yeah. that's yeah, fucking dude. incredible, man. I, The story just, yeah, it, it, it shows you what we're capable of. Like, And it shows you what... We're capable of, especially in such a dark time. Like what, what? How how resilient mankind really is, and and it's not it's not any race, any country. It's just mankind in general will never fucking give up, and that's why we're up against so much right now. But like I'm confident just because of what we have at the fucking helm, and and the the one I think the underlying theme of this story um, is never forget, and it's something that America kind of does a lot. Um, is, you know, we focus on the pleasantries of American history and really don't focus on the unpleasantries. Like, we don't foc- we never talk about Japanese internment camps. We never talk about Columbus and what actually happened when he came over here. Like, there's so many things that just get brushed aside to glorify the American dream and what America did. And as kids, we're like, oh my God, America's amazing. And then we grow up, and we're like, fuck, we suck. <laughs> we're... We're terrible yeah. at, at, I, at a lot of things. We're bad people. Um, but, one, of, yeah. one of the great things about this is George Decay is, and he, and I think we just can't forget is, is how much awareness that he's bringing to the table with his plays and his books and his media content. I was watching a lot of uh, interviews with him and um, he's smiling the whole time he's telling this story. I mean, he, and because he just doesn't want it happen again, right? He, like the idea, the reason that he does this is so we don't repeat ourselves, you know, constantly. Which we are doing right now. Which we do at yeah. times, and it's unfortunate. As we speak. But yeah. I think the more he does this, and the more kind of stuff like this comes out, the more we realize we just need to be, you know, make better decisions and be aware of other people. And I think that that's that's kind of awesome that he still does this. I mean, 
you didn't have to do this. He had a, you know, he makes a ton of money off of Star Trek, you know, and just by royalties and being, you know, Lieutenant Sulu for so long and being an icon. Um, and yeah. I, and I've met him before. I mean, the guy is so nice. Him and his husband Brad are like the nicest. I mean, people you can meet. Shake, they both shake your hand. They both ask how you're doing. They both like, hey, thanks for coming to see me, you know, and all that kind That's of stuff. So and, fucking cool. And um, that is dope. They 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 both smell really nice, you know. And but they're <laughs> wait wait what was that last part? What was that last part. Hold on, he like um, slip that in there real quick. Hold on, wait. But, what? Yeah, you know there was it was it was a great experience for me to meet uh, George Takei, and um, I, I was so intrigued by this book. I mean, the book I flew by it so fast. It's probably one of, I mean it's it's not a lot of hard reading, but it was like intriguing, right? Like you you yeah. read this thing and you just can't put it down. You know, I took it with me everywhere and. Um, I was glad. I know we kind of like we're like, how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna be respectful to this book? And I think uh, just being able to read it, I had no idea it came out. It came out in July of this year. Not a clue. Even even after he's like on TV a lot and promoting the crap out of this, I had no idea about any of this stuff until we decided to do this book. So kudos for to Jordan, which he doesn't get a lot of, but kudos to him on this one <laughs> i take him where i can get him you know uh no i think it's really cool that we decided to do this because it's not it's not a mcu story it's not a dc story it's literally just a educational story of what happened in our history and it needs you, to be explained. you buy it in the history section at barnes and nobles it's not in a like normal like i had to ask him like where is this book and he walks right over to the history right next to the autobiography of uh Abraham Lincoln, George W. Uh, Washington, or George Washington, and and he's literally like right there is this graphic novel, this this you know comic book looking thing, and you're like, what the heck? But it, it's in the history, and it that's where it exactly should be, right in the front. Yeah, and it's it's so approachable for like any age to exactly. really understand. Yeah, it makes it's almost like yeah, it, we'll get into it in our in our in our opinions, I think, on ratings, but like it just. It makes such an important story approachable for the minds that need to know it. And I'm just so glad that we were able to take a kind of call an audible, go a different route, but it, bring it into the mainstream of what it's a great story had to say. Absolutely. All right. So let's go in before we go into our final ranking. Let's go to our off and on, but my favorite segment, Hop Headlines with our guy in the chair, Vinny McBroom. What do you got for us, Vinny? What's up, y'all? It's Vinny the Sidekick here doing Hop Headlines. Today I'm going to start with Hop Headlines. I'm going to do kind of more of the national news. Of course, we mentioned this last time on Hop Heroes, Joker movie's coming out soon. I know we're all going to see it. We're going to have a reaction episode for it. We might even do a little Joker tease before episode. but um, Some cosplay? <laughs> that may happen. What? I'll be down to do some cosplay. I'm just going to be naked with a painted face. Hey, as long as we don't show video of it, it's okay. You could be however you want. Well, if we're not showing a video, I'm not doing it. But October 4th is when that comes out, uh, directed by Todd Phillips. And this is kind of funny about Todd Phillips. uh, The movies he's done in the past are probably you wouldn't have guessed. He's actually most well known for the Hangover series, Old School, Starchy (laughs) and Hutch. Um, He wrote Borat and got nominated uh, for Academy Award for this Borat. is the guy that wrote the Joker. Oh yeah. shit! And uh, he also what? produced A Star Is Born. 
which just came out with. That's a fucking great movie, bro. Um, so uh, this, not let's not talk taste, about that. But this is a little bit different than uh, what he's used to, I guess. He wrote and directed this, and he claims that he actually wrote this uh, movie for the role of Joaquin Phoenix. As he should. Yeah. Joaquin is so it should so be great, like everybody's saying. But that's coming out soon. It's getting amazing. Uh, is Will reviews. Ferrell the villain or the or the good guy? I guess you could say is Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell's in this? In this? No, I'm just saying all those movies. Uh, guys oh. I hope Will Ferrell's oh, in it somewhere, dude. I was about to freak dude, out. You, yeah, you made my heart stop for a moment too. What like, if wait, Will what? Ferrell was Batman and he had like one scene in the movie? Uh, anyways, <laughs> I'd be pissed. On that amazing. note. Uh, <laughs> Yesterday, for us, this will be a couple days for you all that are listening right now, um, on the 21st was Batman Day. I don't know if you guys, nobody cares did you guys do anything for Batman Day? I, I wore my Batman I, watched, bro, I do something movies. for Batman Day every day of my life. <laughs> Flex for a Z, flex for a Z. Um, Where that? There it is. There it be. Batman Day for life. Let's go. Um, but it's kind of a cool little recreational holiday, I guess you would say. It's the uh, third Saturday of every September. In t- this year's marks it special because it's the 80th year Batman's been around since he's been created. So Hell he yeah, was created or at this day on 19, what was it? It'd be 39. How many superheroes have their own holiday? The only one that needs one, I guess. Batman? Does, does fucking Superman have a holiday? Is there a I Superman not, holiday? Nobody likes Superman. No, but like, what about like... Like, why the fuck does Batman have a holiday? Because he's question. the best one, Jordan. Yeah. It's like, seriously, like, we, it's funny because we argue all the time about like Gambit and Cyclops, LOL, fun jokes. I don't even bring Batman to the table because it's not even fair. Anymore. <laughs> it's not he's even just so much better. Superhero. He's a hero. Than everybody. That is true. super about him. That's like getting in an argument about who would win and then always being like, well, Goku's Super Saiyan God. It's like, dude, fuck you. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, God. I, so I have a theory, though. I do think that uh, Batman and a lot of the DC characters are sometimes often alone. And, like, Batman is one of those characters where, like, you say, okay, here's DC, and then right next to it is Batman. And sometimes you get separate the two. A lot of Marvel characters are, like, tied into Marvel as a whole. That's you, true. And so when you think of Spider-Man, even though Spider-Man's just as big as Batman... He's tied into the Marvel. Just uh, as big as Batman. Um, um, Just I as think, big. Yeah. I'll take, I'll take a shot for that. Um, and so I think the problem is is Marvel so so much more successful a little bit than DC. And so sometimes these characters get, you know, uh, driven out further than the actual company. So, like, Batman is a big, iconic but, character. But, but, so I think there's pros and cons to that, too. This is kind of a side tangent, bro. And this will, this will be quick. But, like, I think that... Um, because of that, it it hurts DC as a whole. Because so Batman's super successful, right? Right. But like overall, a lot of people are like DC's trash, and Bat they almost view Batman as like a separate entity. Exactly. But like Marvel, people would be like Marvel's dope because you got like fucking Deadpool and Spider Man and you know Iron blah, Man, blah blah, blah 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 Iron Man, like and it, it all like works together. So like other popular DC characters would be like I don't know Joker, fucking. Aquaman is like decent, get, gaining popularity now, but still, like those characters don't feed back into DC very well, which right. gives DC like this negative kind of view in the industry. Yeah. Also, DC sucks. So <laughs> DC, doesn't, DC, DC doesn't. DC doesn't suck. DC doesn't suck. DC doesn't suck. DC didn't all. have DC's... Batman. They'd be fucking drowning. <laughs> like, Please, bro, help! We have uh, cyborg. I... So wait, so wait, so, 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 so let me ask you this. Bro? Let me ask you like, this. If DC didn't have Batman, are you also taking away all the villains? Like you're taking away that entire thread of story. We're getting uh, off topic. Jordan, 
All right. I mean, how? Because if <laughs> you do, <laughs> then DC is crap. So basically, DC is like MJ, Bulls, like 80, 90, 90, 91. Yeah, yeah take <laughs> Batman away. Like, take that villain away. Pass the rock to MJ and he'll take us to the ship. Yeah. And Marvel's like the Warriors when they have like this motion offense and everybody's good and everybody gets the Everybody ball gets shit. an assist. Everybody's open. It's a team sport. Yeah, dude. Yeah. DC's yeah. just playing hero ball. Stan all Lee's day over long. here, Steve Curry. They got one good player. DC's over here. Like, ride that to the ship, bro, forever yeah. and ever. LeBron, save us. Save us, <laughs> yeah. LeBron. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Batman's LeBron. That's hey, I got an idea. Let's Batman revamp the Joker okay. series. Yeah. Batman's right, yeah, for yeah, sure LeBron. That, that's that's why Batman is the fucking holidays, because Batman is LeBron. Exactly. That makes sense. All right. So to wrap it up on the comic side of the news, um, this is funny. Last week we had Blue Moon episode. Guess what? Blue Moon's about to release and uh, come out later this November for us to try and Hop, buy. Hop Heroes draft. Iced coffee blonde beer. Yeah, oh, God. So this serious? is Blue Moon's typical wheat Ugh. style like blonde beer, but it's also brewed with um, coffee beans to give it that nice espresso taste. That sounds terrible. It does sound terrible, right? Is there caffeine <laughs> in it, though? A, a blonde in iced coffee? Have you guys ever had a coffee stout, though? Or a porter? Cal- yeah. I mean, so, like... Yeah, those are delicious. I would assume it tastes like that, but just a little bit less. I think I'm being, I'm being turned off by the blonde. Yeah. But is there caffeine in it? I don't know that, but I would assume so, since it's brewed with co- coffee beans, like real espresso So this beans. is like a Four loco. This is Blue Moon's version of Four loco, Just, like, get you fucked up and energize you. Same time, I guess so. But who knows? <laughs> the shit's I'm into it. Who knows? Maybe this, time. maybe this will I'm be the it. gateway to all the other iced coffee. Well, PBR, you said PBR was doing this too, right? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't available for us because they're doing East Coast a lot. I think this will be in stores for us in November. But I could dude, be wrong. iced beer, iced coffee beer. Yeah, it's 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 literally called Blue Moon Iced Coffee Blonde Beer. So that once, 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 they make, once they make the iced coffee pumpkin latte beer, this show gets basic as fuck. We're, <laughs> we're teetering right, right. now. Today we're What's talking happens? about my favorite. Bro, I'm, I'm already so fucking basic. Have you guys tried the iced coffee pumpkin cream shit they got going on right now at Starbucks? All right, let's move on. All right. So if you're living around the Puget Sound area like we are, um, so Silver City Brewery, one of our favorite breweries out here, shout out Silver to them. Silver City! Zach's already got so that's Tropic the Haze. Tropic Haze, right, Zach? So yep. they have a new Tropic Probably my favorite beer right now. They have now. a new Tropic Haze that you might want to try out. It's called Wet Hop Tropic Haze. Do you? Oh. I'm pretty sure we tried it the last time the four of us were over there, you know, a few months back. And remember, she was trying to explain to us the, how wet hops work. They use wet hops yeah. instead Shout of dry hops. Shout out to Jess. I don't, I don't remember this. Shout out to Jess, the brewmaster. I, like, oh, she dude, vaguely I explained it, I remember, that. but, like, none of us caught on, really. <laughs> but, but um, We were probably drinking. It's weird. Exactly. Yeah, it's but um, So that came out earlier this month. Um, it's limited. All these things I'm about to list from Silver City are typically limited. So if you wanted to go get them, you'd have to go to their tap room. And don't uh, give them to Zach because they'll put them in his freezer and they'll explode. <laughs> that, that, that was like two that. years ago. I'm never going to live no. that down. All People, right. they'll forget. <laughs> Anyways, other than the, the wet hop tropic haze, which I think we'll all love because we re- like the original hop uh, tropic haze, they got Uberfest that came out early this month, and obviously you could just tell by the name of that. That's for Oktoberfest coming up. 
so it's going to be one of those little heavier ales. Um, and then they brought back uh, Superfly IPA. Have you guys ever tried the Superfly? Oh, I like the Superfly. I love the Superfly, dude. The Superfly dude. is good. So they just brought that back uh, last week, so it's another limited one. If you want to go get some of that, go down to Bremerton. Um, and then they got two Silver new. City's the best. Dude. They got two new beers that they just came out with this earlier this month. And one is called Trophy Life IPA, and it just seems like another one of their IPAs they put out because that's kind of their specialty. And here's a special one that's actually hasn't come out yet. By the time this episode airs, it should be out. So it comes out on the 26th. Um, it's called Irib- exclusive. What's up? I said exclusive. Exclusive. Hot Heroes exclusive. Hot Heroes exclusive. Right Hot Heroes exclusive. Oh, uh, so on the 26th. I got to tilt my camera down a little bit so I can get the nips. Jordan's drunk. No, Just Jordan's, move right past that Jordan's video. seven is shots deep and rubbing his nips. All right. Um, so on the 26th, you can head down to the tap room and get what's called the Irresistible Bliss Strawberry Milkshake IPA. Damn. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I think kinda, I'm into I, it. I, I want yeah, to try. It sounds milkshake it. IPA. Really good to experiment with. Bro, try. we should we should make a trip to Silver City, bro. They got a lot of shit going on. Uh, yeah, dude, they got a lot. You know how flavorful they get with their stuff. Um, another big news with them is they got a new canning machine, so they're trying to pump these out as fast as they can, and hopefully they'll hit stores because um, typically you just they see their to. you know their main beers at the stores, so just keep buying them, I guess, and you know. One of the one of the biggest challenges Silver City has had, and it's a good problem to have, is that they run out of beer to sell to stores because people come to the the tap room, the tap room and just drink their keg. Yeah, the tap room's a lot of fun. They can't they brew shit stuff fast there. enough. Yeah. And that's yeah, the tap room's really a lot of fun. Ask for Jess, tell him Hop Hero sent you. She'll hook you up. She'll 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 hook you up, dude. She's tight. Yeah. Um yeah, so that's pretty much oh, wait, what's this? Another Another report. This, <laughs> oh, my. Oh my. Breaking news. Ding, 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 ding. Um, so last time oh, I no. had a incoming news report, I uh, claimed Cyclops is a bitch. So I can now say, declare, cat. he is no longer a bitch. Hey. Cyclops Wait. is no longer hey. a bitch. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. Atomic. Hear, hear me out. Hear me out. So the new Hickman X-Men series is out right now, and it's almost done. Um, I think they're after this Wednesday that's coming up, so by the time you hear this episode, there's only two more issues left of this series, and it's fucking awesome. That's all I'll leave it as, and it went from Cyclops in the first issue kind of pulling a bitch move, so I claimed him as a bitch. After reading, you know, these ten, you know, almost ten issues, I will, I'll take that back. I'll take it back. Ooh, wow. Does he do some dope shit? Am I going to have to read it? Dude, yeah, I have to read you know it. what? I got an idea. I got an idea. JR, do you still have your digital codes um, for those issues? Maybe. If you didn't use them, I'm assuming you still do. I still have the digital codes for all the issues I have. Let's We can make this a contest. So either I say we could give a series out to a listener, and, or, and we could give a series out to either Jordan or... Or Zach. Maybe I'll create a poll for Team Cyclops or Team Gambit. And whoever wins, obviously Zach or Jordan will get the free series on digital. And then maybe we could do some sort of raffle for our fans. Bro, we all we all know who is... Okay, first off... Let's go, baby. I feel like I'm, I'm at a disadvantage Here's the thing. here. Let me just say this. If okay, I no, win... I'm going to talk over Zach because I am drunk. And <laughs> I feel that... There's no Gambit reference in the storyline, so the fact that Cyclops has a reference, he's going to have an advantage. And I feel like that's not fair. But it's a poll, Jordan. It's the people. They haven't read this yet. Yeah. So here, here's the thing. But there's no if reference I to Gambit win, in the story. 
if I win, if Cyclops wins, I will read this series, bro, and then I will make a new poll, and then whoever wins that poll, I'll, I will give Jordan signed Matthew Perry. Fuck off, yeah, the dude. listeners. It's going yeah. nowhere. It's right well, there, let, and it's not going anywhere. Well, Nate we'll do has is. been hounding me for that because of your fucking polls. And We're gonna my <laughs> baby. Oh my it's not leaving. We're the gonna nest. do. It's safe. Uh, let's do I a team that. Cyclops team uh, gambit, and we'll do some t-shirts, and we'll we'll give away some t-shirts for this for this poll, and uh, I'll do the painting on the sh- for the shirts, and so. We'll, we'll, oh, we'll do ooh, that. I got an idea. All right, okay, time out. We time can out, use the out. painting that you did as a design. Time out, time out. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the goal. I'll do another one. Here. I'll do one for Gambit, and it'll be a design. No, we don't, you don't need to do that. Get that fucking out of the screen. Look at how savage that is. It's so stupid. Oh, it's, so it's I'll do a Gambit, and we'll do a Team Cyclops, a Team Gambit, and we'll do t-shirts, and whoever participates and whoever, um, you know, communicates. We'll come up with the rules when they're finished. Yeah, we'll get... Well, and who gets T-shirts and who doesn't, and we'll 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 give those away. But everybody for, out there for this knows. poll that I'll do after this episode releases is strictly for Jordan and Zach, and that whoever agrees and is on your side of the team, you guys, you know, whoever wins that vote, I'll give you guys the codes for that. But for the other ones, we should wait a couple more weeks because the series will be over early October, and then we could give out the entire series. I just yeah. feel like I'm at a disadvantage. There's no Gambit storyline right now. I just, bro, you're at a disadvantage because your beard is like tapered to one or zero. <laughs> dog. Trash, Sorry, I'm not mountain bro. biking on the weekends. I got fucking yeah, mountain, me man. too, bro. God damn me it, too. I wish you did. Be, be a real man and shave and get a mustache. But when I say mountain biking, I mean carrying it up a hill while people walk by and then like resting <laughs> there. I, like, I did oh some mountain God. biking, bro. Jesus oh Christ. My God. I'm going to walk up and then walk down with a mountain bike in my fucking hand, just to make sure. That sums up. Hop headlines, I'm sorry. Hop headlines. Okay. Thanks, bro. All right. (laughs) That was fun. That was fun. All right. Let's go into our craft or trash rating for They Call Us Enemies. So, JR, start it off. What's your rating Uh, here? 9.5. I'm going to give it a 9.5. Fuck me. Are you serious? All right. Absolutely. That's super high. Uh, yeah, it's very high. Absolutely. There's, there's. Are you just? Are you? You went first, so you rated the highest. So if we don't rate it as high, then we're yeah, you guys are racist. assholes. Is that what you're um, if you don't rate yeah. it as high as me, um, it's actually smart. I'm, smart. So I'm gonna. The reason I say nine point five, there's three things I go. Not just because of the, um, because of what the book meant, because that's that's above and beyond a rating. Um, but there's three things I look in when it, we do this stuff. Is it, am I being entertained? Um, how fast can I read this story, right? And then um, the actual story. And so those are the three things that I always look for in a story. And I, all three of those things hit the check mark this time. I mean, I couldn't put the book down. I mean, that's a good sign for me right then and there. I mean, um, it, it was entertaining. It was informative. And I was like, I got lost in it. And that's that's what I want out of a uh, an entertainment situation you know via tv or via book or whatever um via in person and so um i'm going 9.5 and then also i love star trek i have for years i mean loving george decay from the you know beginning and um the zach team. can't do it zach said west side that's not it zach. Uh, yeah you're <laughs> off a little bit buddy um, <laughs> that's what you guys have been doing this whole day nah, bro. <laughs> no, it's, that's it's not, not, <laughs> it's crossing the fingers. you don't cross the fingers 
That's what you guys. Why you guys keep don't give him credit? That's what's like. Live long and prosper is what this means. Right. Yeah, that's wrong. Um, I hate you so much. Uh, but yeah, that's that's why I rated it a nine point five. So take it or leave it. Yeah, I'm sorry, Joe. All right, I'll, I'll go because the longer the time goes, the worse my answer is going to be. Um, I'm giving it a seven, and the reason I give it a seven is honestly, I thought that it was seven for the amount of shots you've taken today. Is that where I'm at right wow, now? Wow, that's that's exactly where you're at, yeah. Wow. <laughs> you should take one more right now and then give it an eight. There you go. Give it what it's supposed to do. There, he had it ready. That's <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go with an eight. <laughs> and here's my reasoning. Uh. I think that the story was great <laughs> and uh, necessary for uh, the public. And I gotta oh, fuck it. Um, Take a breather, Jordan. <laughs> oh my! I God. think that the you story was go? incredible, and it was something that needs to be told. And in the the format it was told in, with um, almost like the the artwork made me think of Curious George. Like it was so approachable. It was black and white, which kind of bummed me out. Which is probably the m- message that should bum you out. Um, but. It was very approachable from a young age. Like no, no, like age group is distinctive. Like you can you can read this at any. I mean, obviously, if you're three and you can't read, but if you're at certain levels, it's gonna be oh, Jesus Christ. It's gonna be um, very approachable. And I think that the story needs to be told. And I'm glad that they told it to an acceptable audience. And fuck off, all of you. And I think that it was just like. I don't even know if I can go through this. He can't do it. Um, he can't do it. <laughs> it's <laughs> shut the. Let me let me focus here. All right. So, great story. Uh, George Takei suffered a lot, you assholes, and you're just laughing over here. And he went through a t- <laughs> a tough ass time. And the fact that he put such a positive spin on such a negative eight. Fuck you guys. Eight. All right. Go Zach. Eight. <laughs> Part eight. <laughs> God damn it. S- shout out to Toki because it will get you oh. to where you need to be. Oh, dude, I'm crying. I'm I'm literally I'm weeping, dude. I have not laughed that hard. Moving on. In a long time. Moving on. Holy shit. We're not, oh. we're not laughing at this story. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, I get no, it. We're, we're just laughing, laughing at Jordan, you, bro. <laughs> hey, dude, you. I'm, I'm doing great over here, so. All right, all right, whew, all right, wow. Okay, um, I am going to give this a six and a half. There we go. Uh, to be honest, I think the story is important. I think that I think that obviously, I mean, I have nothing ill to say about this story and about Takei and and everything like that. As a as a comic though, like as a as a pure graphic novel from a writing standpoint. I think he did a lot of interesting things. I think the most interesting thing was him having a perspective versus his dad's perspective moving through the same type of thing. Um, but I thought it was cheesy at times and unrealistic. Like at some like there was like this one line where like the son looks up at the mom and says, I like to see you smile. Or I like to see you happy. Like stuff like that. I'm just like ah, like I don't know. I mean it just feels in times Childish, of like severe darkness, maybe that would be like a highlight for somebody. 
Sure, but I just doubt it happened. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Like I, I so you're calling maybe George Takei a liar is what you're saying. Uh, all, all well, I, yeah. maybe I'm cynical. I don't know. I, I just bit. felt like also I, I, I wish that the the book was in color, and I felt like the art style was like curious George, super cartoony. Yeah, curious. Yeah, it's cartoony like that. And so, um, I think that the story is important, and I think that you know, obviously, that everything we talked about is real. If it was up to me, I would love to have a graphic novel about the 442nd Infantry. That should like, be a and then movie. And just go through dude. each Medal of Honor, all 21, like single stories, and have them intertwine with each other because they were all in the same infantry, and then watch them do all the shit they did in, in World War II. Bro, I'd fucking eat that shit up. All right, like, so you I want me to write a screenplay? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, we'll but, our next project. Yeah, we have some research to do, but that shit would be fire, bro. Yeah, flame. So I don't know. I I guess it was a good book. It wasn't amazing to me. The story was amazing. Um, the book itself I felt was six point five. It was alright, and that's fair. And that's why I was going with seven. I think that the story needs to be told, and I like that the format it's in is deliverable to all ages. So it's a story that's accessible. And like Jr. said, it's in the history section. So like people need to hear this, and if they can hear it, like if it was a novel. Nobody below the age of 30 would pick it up. But the fact that it's a comic, we're all talking about it, right? So I think that that's important, and I'm glad it happened. Um, but I appreciate and I respect your rating. Um, and so that brings us around to a cold eight, which is what I ranked it anyways, because I've taken eight shots, motherfucker. <laughs> so George Takei, uh, thank you so much for... I feel like an asshole <laughs> for <God>. everything <laughs> that you've done for this country and everything that you and your family have uh, established. And I feel like I disrespect you uh, every shot I take. So I love you and thank you. No, that's not true. I think that, um, I mean, I don't know. I think the main takeaway is that if you haven't read this story, you should. Um, although I gave it some, some criticism, it's, it's, it's just a story that you need to know. Um, I think that it, uh, just for, from an American history standpoint, um, there's a lot of heroes that never get talked about, and I think that this is one way to give them the recognition that they deserve. So, absolutely, um, we joke around, we have fun on the show, but this is a pretty serious thing. And so, read it, educate yourself, be aware, um, and appreciate George Takei for bringing recognition to this topic because it's a it's a big part of our history. So, yeah, that's a good, it was a dope read. That was a good absolutely. point. I I think um, people just need to realize that George Takei. Is, fa- is known for this fantasized world of Star Trek and for him to bring us into his personal experience like reality world down to Earth instead of deep space I think uh, is pretty awesome and and I, I could see why you say cheesiness but that's kind of George Takei man I mean if you ever watch Star Trek I mean he chases people down with a, uh, a sword <laughs> in the hallways of uh, the Enterprise and you know jumps up and down and I've never watched Star Trek too, oh, so dude. I have no zero affinity to that character that he has. Yeah. So this might as well have been like a random author for me. So yeah. I should I should say that as well and, to go along with my and reading. A lot of it, a lot of him is in this book, like even in person, and uh, he's exactly the same. You know, um, obviously as Sulu, he's a little bit more aggressive, but he's just like, hey, it's okay to say to K, you know, and I think that is um, pretty hilarious. And and it's book. not to Kai. Motherfucker, Vinny. <laughs> Vinny got corrected. Our, infer- 
our yeah, facts guy on the <laughs> last episode for Takai. Our facts guy gave him the wrong facts. It's Takai. You got one job. You got one job. Three jobs. I apologize. For mispronouncing Mr. Takei's name. <laughs> now I'm here to say that I said it correctly. Uh, hey, man. I take pride in that. I only got like a third grade B hey, level, man. sorry. You know. <laughs> Why are you producing this show? Moving on. Um, All right, shout outs. Let's do it. Let's go on to plugs. Who, who do we got? Who we got? Who wants to plug some shit? Uh, I want to plug something, honestly, just because I think it's really cool. It's uh, happening here in Tacoma. It's called the Jet City Comic Show. Um, so this will be at the Tacoma Convention and Trade Center. This is right in the middle of downtown. It's pretty close to the UW district of downtown, close to the Glass Museum. Yeah. Uh, the big Marriott Hotel, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Um, right in the middle of the plaza. This is also their 10 year anniversary. So, uh, it's probably going to be a pretty big event for them. This is more of like a smaller independent crew, but they got a lot of cool artists. They got some actors from... Power Rangers, they got Buck Rogers himself uh, from the old sci-fi TV show. But I think Dude, if you're gonna cool. say Billy Lee from or Billy from fucking Stranger Things is about to be there, then I'm gonna f- catch a flight. <laughs> oh, 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 what's this? What's this say over here? Then the in the fine small print says Billy from Stranger Things is gonna be there. So <laughs> oh let Jordan God. know to get a ticket. But, uh, no, you should just be catching a flight anyway. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it's right. it's gonna be a cool event. Um, I'm gonna be there with uh, another friend. I might do some video recording and throw another random segment for the Hello? show. Hello. I didn't get an invite. That's um, weird. Where's? Did I miss the call? Zach, we were uh, we were pretty busy, so just move on. Oh. That's crazy. <laughs> that's uh, crazy. Anyways, that's all I want to plug. Jet City Comic Show. <laughs> Ten years. This one. Uh, it's gonna be October 26th and 27th. That's like the. Last weekend of next of October, I'm pretty sure. So, yep. Yeah. Mark your calendar. Hey. All right, Jr. You got anything you want to plug? Uh, not really. Just George Decay. What's up, George? George Decay. Oh, my. your boy, your homie. Z. I feel like Jr. has like a low key crush on George Decay. Dude, I have a low key crush him. on all the Star Trek people. All right, not just George Decay, but he was one of the nicest. Him and um Patrick Stewart, like super sweet people. Unlike uh. <laughs> William Shatner, who looked like he was drunk the whole night before. <laughs> I think he probably which was. He probably was. Which he looked a little, he looked a little shout bloody. Shout out to Bill. Bill Shat. <laughs> shout out to Bill Shat. Come on, Bill. Uh, Come on, Bill. Z, what do you got for us, man? Um, Arzenith.com. Check us out. We got some amazing projects. Uh, this week, real interesting stuff. I don't know if, you are, if you're a hip-hop listener or a follower of the culture, but... Takashi 69 is testifying, and that shit that. is bro, so be ratting out everyone. Interesting, bro, and like the memes are crazy. I don't know if you've been on Twitter, but the memes like they're always just like, oh, this this in Takashi 69 says Shia LaBeouf is a member of the Trace. <laughs> like this just then, uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy, the newest member of the Trace Nine Bloods. Like it's so hilarious the memes. Um, Sleep Easy is going to do a deep dive on Takashi 69 his music, the trial, everything that led up to the twi- trial, his capture, his kidnapping. Um, so that's going to be uh, some fucking interesting ass shit. That shit should come out uh, on Wednesday. So that's Sleep Easy Lyricist Lounge. Uh, we're going to dive Takashi 69 So I'm excited for that. And um, yeah, man, just just follow us, man. Keep 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 with it. We're growing, we're moving, we're shaking. Lots of cool stuff going on. Dude, I'm very excited you know that episode. That episode is going to be amazing. There's so much ridiculous information 
coming from this trial that I can't wait to hear. Well, dude, six and nine is find it all. The whole embodiment of that guy. I know, and it keeps growing. It's just building, and I want it all in one like episode. And that sounds like what's coming. So, like, yeah, yeah keep it on our it zenith. Is. Don't miss it. Um, yeah, always check us out at Hop Heroes Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Don't miss that shit. And thank you guys so much. I have a surprise for everybody, not just the listeners, people on screen. I will be in Washington on the 13th of October when we record. So, who's trying to do a group episode? Yeah. Y'all be. Hell yeah. yeah. yeah no, nobody's excited to have me over. So, I'm going to be at some, somebody's house and we're going to do a, a recording in person, which will be very exciting for me. So thank you guys so much for listening this week. We'll catch you next time. Peace.